Well, welcome back to the show. We have a very, uh, well, we have two special guests here with us now to talk about a pretty serious issue uh, uh, and, and, and a conference. I mean, talk, we're, we're rooted uh, in, in, the, in the everyday and in the present uh, conference going on in Toronto for uh, September 15 and 16. It is uh, the first international men and families conference. It's interdisciplinary and it is super important. And so we're joined today by Professor Su Susan Chung and Professor Alexandra Lysova, uh, lead conference organizer and professor at the University of Guelph, and of course, an associate professor at the School of Criminology at Simon Fraser University. Susan, Alexandra, thanks so much for taking out some time to chat with me on the show today. Thank, Thank you. you for having us. So let me get this straight. You guys have just taken a break out of the conference. You're sort of in a hallway somewhere at the conference center. Is this that is kind correct. Of... <laughs> where we have Wi-Fi. It's very where, important. Where you Wi-Fi is super important these days, isn't it? Promise me, though, it's not an elevator lobby, at least. No, we're in a little hallway, so it's all good. That's... So our conference is actually hybrid right now as well. It's online oh. and in person. So maybe the bandwidth might not be the greatest right now. So Right, right. So you might be cutting in and out. Well, that's no problem. We ha we handle that kind of thing all the time, Susan. Perfect. We really do. So why don't, Susan, why don't you give us a little bit of an overview of what this conference is about? And yeah, let's get a conversation going around here about, about how important this really is. And, and, and maybe even the, the, the starting point for this conversation, if that makes sense. Yes, that makes sense. So this conference actually is is uh, representing uh, presenters from all over the world, 18 countries and six continents. And the reason why we're all here today online and in person in wonderful Toronto is that we want to put some focus and some attention to fathers and fathering, but as, uh, as well as men and boys who actually do experience victimization and um, abuse. And so it's important that we also uh, hear their voices, we hear their experiences, and have a better understanding of just uh, violence in general. So, uh, Alexandra, what's what's your role in the conference? So, I'm one of the co-organizers of this conference and also presenter at this conference. Okay. So, yeah. So, the job was to um, get as many people from around the world who are interested in this topic. And we're so happy. We had a wonderful attendance of uh, leading researchers in the field from the United States, United Kingdom, um, European countries, other European countries, and that's just been great. So, Susan, I, I've seen you quoted in, in some correspondence where you say men's issues are a matter of life and death. Can you unpack that for our listeners and frankly for me as well? Because typically, I mean, obviously, th this, is, this is a pretty serious event and you guys are tackling some pretty serious issues, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Well, men have an important role. Boys have important roles in families. And so what many of our, our, our studies are finding is that when fathers, for example, uh, fathers who are um, not allowed to see their children, you know, through court issues, through high conflict, uh, false allegations, they actually are taken out of their families. And so the trauma that they experience, the post-traumatic stress disorders, the, the anxiety of not being able to see their children. One day they see their children every day, highly involved in their children's lives in all respects, you know, playing multiple roles. And then suddenly, you know, when there is a union breakdown, they may be then mm -hmm. now 
not allowed to see their children. So you can just only imagine that kind of devastation and not just to the fathers, but also to the extended family as well. And I could actually add a little bit to this. It's a matter of life and death. Um, so I will be presenting on um, uh, violence to homicide. So we'll be discussing mm. intimate partner homicide. So literally death in the relationship where we will show how much the previous violence um, is related to the homicide and what can be done to prevent these cases from happening. And um, what we find so far is that the focus has been on um, female deaths in the relationship. And we do not almost know anything about men who have been killed in the relationship and how these deaths could be prevented. Um, and also men who uh, commit homicide and then commit suicide. So this is a very important topic. Many cases, about quarter of all intimate partner homicides are actually homicide suicides. So it's indeed a matter of life and death, and we should do a better job with preventing uh, these homicides from happening. Alexandra, I, I, I do want to come back to that prevention uh, for sure. Uh, so make sure we do do that. Susan, you talked about union breakdown. Is that what I think you meant? Is that just the, the part partners? That's part. That's, that's just part of it. So this, uh, just to be clear that this conference isn't just about intimate partner violence. We're also talking about childhood uh, trauma, childhood violence, then how, how it has, you know, over time, uh, you know, um, on fathers or and men, but also community violence, uh, structural violence, and just that impact on men and their families, right? Uh, so that's what we're talking about. And union breakdowns, you know, say there's a cut, you know, when there is that, whether you're married or not, there is a breakdown between, you know, the mother and the father, and it's a high conflict situation, which leads to, you know, court issues, court battles, and cut child custody, child access issues, right? And then that becomes quite devastating bottom line is it's devastating for children to sure. actually experience and see and witness all of these kinds of you know high stress toxic environments and so our goal together is trying to figure out how do we strengthen the lives of children the more people who love their children the better and so taking away one person regardless of gender regardless of you know status in the family it is devastating for children so, so, so this is a question for both of you, and either of you jump in for sure. Um, it's this is not either or. This is no. both. This is both and. This is not. People aren't going to say, "Oh, you're not speaking enough about women here. You've decided to focus on men." No, hang on a second. This is this is comprehensive. It's interdependent. Absolutely, a, absolutely. This is exactly how we look at this issue. Um, we cannot to these segments of the issue within the family. Uh, family members are in a very tight relationship um, and we know there's a lot of love and hate coming to, going together. The point is that it's very important to understand it as a very complex issue and look at mm -hmm. it from the ecological perspective, from comprehensive perspective. So we know the situations when people um, are in a relationship and they stay in the relationship even, even though there is an abuse going on just because it's so complex. They, they still have um, feelings to each other. So the point is it's very complex. And when we discuss men at this conference, we're actually just adding, adding a part to this very complex issue. It's not about neglecting women who are, are overrepresented as victims of serious abuse and homicide in a relationship. It's just adding what we were missing for years right now to look at, discuss, and prevent. And if you, know, you don't mind, I think to just clarify yeah, please, one please. other thing as well, is that 
even though this conference is focusing on um, men and boys uh, experiences of victimization and abuse, we're not saying that they're always victims or they're only, it's, it's not one or the other. And the reason why, as um, Alexandra has said, it's complex. And so perhaps there were perpetrators then, you know, it was mutual aggression than their victims. And so it's so complex, we have to understand and unpack all of those components. You know, where did it begin? How's it going through that process? You know, and what is that relationships, all those relationships and interrelationships, what does that look like? And what can the community do? We, at this conference, we have academics, we have um, social workers, we have lawyers, we have people from the government, we have all sectors in the community who have some impact and some contact with these families. And we well, wanna know what can we do? Yeah, no, it's collective. great. I, I, I love the collective impact, the incremental change, the macro uh, potential for this as well. Just before we go to the break, f 46 different presenters from th over 13 countries. We got Belgium and Australia, Brazil, Canada, China, Hong Kong, India. I mean, the list is is pretty comprehensive. Uh, that's, yes, it's that's actually, an... yes, it's actually uh, two keynote speakers three panel sessions and 60 presentations, 60 presentations from 18 wow. countries across wow. six continents. Yeah, that is, I mean, it's a testament not only to the width and the depth and the breadth of you as presenters and what you've been able to pull off, but I think it's also a comment on how this, this kind of, um, it, it this impacts us all. Absolutely. Susan, Alexander, would you agree this this is a global issue and runs deep and wide? As conference or organizers, uh, when we came together last year, we've been working hard together collectively for the last year and a half, looking for everybody that might be in the space from around the world, whether you're a researcher or you're a community organization uh, lawyers from different practices or, you know, people who work in the government. We were looking to see if people were interested in talking about the issues of what men, men are experiencing. And it was fairly consistent that many people from all over the world actually said that were saying the same things that many men were actually facing and experiencing violence and vi being victimized. There were many stories that were very similar. And research has showed that as well. Maybe Alexandra may want to say a little bit about that. Um, yes, what we see, it's a consistent message from uh, around the world. We see that about half of all the victims of intimate partner violence are men. And uh, we do not see that in the police data because, hmm. because the police data treats it as a crime and men are less likely to report this to the police. So this is a very big issue with mm -hmm. the male Makes victimization. Sense. Yes. Can you hear me? I can, yeah, Alexandra. You know, I, sorry to interrupt, but a uh, quick, quick question on this. I guess, how do you avoid stereotypes in this type of a, a conversation? It must be very difficult because I would think that a lot of people, and uh, you know, up until maybe even this conversation, might have mm -hmm. said, "Oh, I've heard of things like this before," but but uh -huh. I haven't. Really, I don't. I don't know what the stats are. And if you want to talk about partner violence, I'm probably going to say it's mostly committed, you know, against. Uh, the I'm going to say uh, the, the the woman in the in, in 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 many relationships, or at least that would be the stereotype, wouldn't it? Yes, that's true. Uh, this is an interesting phenomenon um, when it comes to uh, the statistics. In fact, Statistics Canada and statistics statistical agencies in other countries 
find that the similar rates of victimization for men and women, what happens is that this data just not being known to people mm. and um, people very often getting very much surprised hearing these findings. But then at the same time, they know almost everyone knows someone, a man who is actually suffering from abuse in the intimate relationship. So part of the trying to fight that stereotype, dismantle the stereotype is actually what we do today and tomorrow is actually to keep talking about this, to bring people from around the globe, make it public and bring awareness, um, not only for the professionals, but also for, for the general public, for people who are in the abusive relationship and who do not acknowledge that, who do not recognize it themselves. Uh-huh. And also for the families of those who are suffering in the relationships. So they know that what's happening is wrong. It is abuse. And there are ways to prevent it. So it's, I think the, the the main path for us is just to bring awareness, keep talking sure, about sure. this, bring statistics. And of course, it's just to fight gender stereotypes. They are so strong in relation to both genders, but specifically to men. Um, that's really important. Men should be able to express emotions. And it's fine sometimes to, you know, say how how hurt they are. And this is, we find, that stops many men from revealing the experiences of abuse. They keep it to themselves. And then they suffer from depression and anxiety. And then, unfortunately, we, we see the escalation of abuse in the relationship. Yeah, the, the sort of the, the implications of it are clearly are, are far-reaching. Susan, how, how do you actually define abuse, really, in this kind of a context? I mean, I would imagine a lot of people go to, directly to physical abuse, but it's, it's got to be way more uh, yes, com- exactly. complicated yes. than that. Yes, we're talking about all forms of abuse. So physical would be one that people may think of, but there's also psychological abuse, financial control, like controlling behaviors, uh, sexual abuse. And so we even had a presentation just today that I even talked about sexual abuse because people may not think that men could be, uh, sec- be a, sexu- uh, uh, a victim of sexual abuse. And th- you can't. Men can be forced to engage in acts that they don't want to. And so when we talk about abuse, it's comprehensive. And actually that abuse that men face is very similar to what women um, experience as well. And I even would add, there is one more type of abuse, which is administrative and legal abuse. And this is what we hear a lot from men. Um, This is when the partners threaten to use the system, Mm. accords, police against men, saying that you will not see your children again if you just... uh, complain to anybody or call the police and tell them what you experienced. So this is something we hear consistently, which unfortunately keeps men in abusive relationships. And again, leading to chances of escalation of abuse. You know, as I'm listening to you speak, I can't tell you how thrilled I am this conference is going on and you have such a uh, uh, cross-cultural reach. I mean, you're really spanning, uh, you really are spanning the globe. is this a fair question? Would you say the conference, would you say this work is about empathy at some level? Is this an absolutely? Op- yeah. Could, could you talk about that a little bit? It's about empathy and compassion. A lot of times men would talk about how if they're experiencing this, sometimes people don't quite understand and then they feel isolated and alone and ashamed. Right. Mm. And why can't they, you know, deal with it, man up? 
you know, why are you letting this happen? And so this actually is trying to bring greater, that's the purpose of bringing greater awareness to making people understand what is going on and providing that support, the empathy, that support, that compassion for a man to seek out help. And it's also, again, it's not just for the men, it's for their children, but then also the extended sure. family as well. You know, it's, it's, it's far, far reaching and it can go from generation to generation to generation. And, and I would just add, it was so powerful to see today men in the um, in the rooms and actually thanking presenters for bringing up these issues because they almost mm. cried and say, I've been suffering for years. And finally, finally, somebody here heard me finally is dis- discussing this in public. So they, they are here among people uh, just people who actually men who suffer from abuse and for them we see how important it is to hear it for them so yes it's absolutely it's about empathy it's about knowledge it's about awareness so alexandra you know i you, i mean isn't it true that you know i've done a i've done enough counseling to know that um my listeners don't know that about me yet but but uh, to know that it's it's so much uh, trust is such a huge part of this empathy and 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 feeling like you are at home i guess you could say and this is i suppose part part of the issue i suppose uh, at the root of it all um but being able to name it and so having yeah. some of these men say that and maybe being, uh, you know, uh, reduced to tears over it to go, wow, you, you too, somebody else is out there who understands. Like, it's got to be quite, quite a moment for them. Um, Alexandra, you talked a little bit about prevention in the first part of our interview uh, tonight, and it just seems like such a layered and, and complicated and nuanced issue. Can, can you talk a little bit about what that might mean for some of our listeners? Is, is, where can they go? What can they do? In, in, yeah these issues because they're they're pretty serious yeah prevention is essential and um it should we should work at several different levels and first of all it should start with the uh, men who are in abusive relationships and um, it's important to overcome the barriers that prevent men from seeking help. And these barriers can be internal and external. So one of the major internal barriers that we find in our work is being blind to abuse or not acknowledging abuse, not Mm. not understanding it, not recognizing it and not naming it abuse. The men will come up with different ideas what's happening and they will normalize violence um, so, and unless they call it that way, that it is abuse, they, they, they're not ready to, to go get help, get help. And then of course, there are other barriers, which are internal one, which are very much related to gender stereotypes. Very many men experience a lot of embarrassment and sh- shame with even asking for help. We even telling anybody about what happens. So they hide, they hide and Mm. they suffer in silence. And of course there are many external barriers and this is where men who who actually overcome the first barriers try to find help and can't. Nothing is available to them. They go online and there is nothing really. They think it's all been featured as for women, the uh, pictures of female victims. They think that nobody needs them. And then they try to find a shelter to go with the children. And there is no shelter for men to go with children. It's great that we have one first shelter here in Toronto that was opened over a year ago. But overall, this is only one shelter for the entire, for entire Canada. So these are some of the barriers on the men's side. And then there are also m- very many preventive measures that can be on the side of the professionals. Professionals should be trained. 
there should be more training to, to that they are more gender inclusive and they actually know how to work with men and they actually feel empathy toward male victims, not only to female victims. So this is something, there are layers of sure. prevention and also, of course, media. Media can do a lot about bringing awareness to this issue. If we hear more voices of men in the media, in the news, when we hear stories of men, because at this point, we don't really hear much of their voices. We don't know how abuse looks like. Many people can't imagine it ha it's happening, that it is reality, but it happens. So media can do a lot. And of course, schools. Schools are very important. Early education about healthy relationships uh, is very important. This is where we actually start with the early prevention. It starts in school, that both boys' violence and girls' violence is unacceptable. So these are, these are some of the very important measures that can yeah, be done. That's wonderful. Thanks so much for that. We don't have a whole lot of time left, but Susan, I would love to ask you, in, 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 in Alexandra as well, in, in all of this work that you do, how do you maintain a sense of hope about the future and about what's next? Easy or really difficult? Yes, I think that the fact that with this conference, we're actually trying to build an international alliance. So this conference, even though it is the first in the world to be government funded, um, this is not the end of it. It's not just a norm, an average conference. We're actually working together. We've all agreed that we are going to partner and collaborate across the world. We're going to come together and try to work collectively on our research in, in terms of you know, the community work, the programs, the services, and we're all committed. And I think that this is now energizing a lot of people to kind of figure out what's going on different countries. Yes, there are country differences, you know, but then there are a lot of similarities and there are ways that we can actually synergize our efforts and work together. So that's yeah. our hope. Yeah, that's... That, and that, I would just add here, we, it's it, the progress is slow, but there is progress. I think it's very important to acknowledge that. Even today in the presentations, we see that there's more awareness in different countries. There are shelters opening for men in some other countries. It's easy to discuss. It's still a very much controversial topic. There is still resistance, a lot of resistance in academia, um, at the governmental level to even discuss this issue. But it's getting somewhat better. That gives us hope. Well, thank you so much for bringing this to my attention, to our attention, to our listeners. I mean, there's a sense in which you can't go back, right? Once you now know. Right. And so th thank you so much for that. Thank you. And, thank and you. look, yeah, so uh, look look forward to you uh, being able to uh, possibly come back on the show next year. Absolutely. Uh, chat Anytime. a little more. We've been talking with P Professor Susan Chung and Professor Alexandra Lysova. They are at the International Men and Families Conference here in Toronto. Check them out online. You can do that at menandfamilies2022.ca. Susan Alexander, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you thank so much. You. Thank you. You've been listening to On Point, and my name is David Peck.